Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. freedom in your life or you thought that something was going to free you and then you actually got the thing that you wanted and you realized it wasn't freedom at all? I know I'm the only one. I had a buddy, Billy, who thought to himself, the freedom that I need in my life is to get a motorcycle. So he asked his friend, should I get a motorcycle? To which we all with frontal lobes said, no, you live in Los Angeles. That's how people die. And so he decided, well, okay, instead of getting a motorcycle right now, I do want to save a little bit of money. I want to make my commute to work a little bit better. I'm going to go get a moped or a scooter. So he calls up a dealership. He gets a scooter. And on his way to the dealership, he's right there pulling up. And a motorcycle is pulling out. And a car sideswipes this motorcycle, launching a man 100 feet into the air and severing his leg off. This is gruesome. And so Billy, the only person at the scene right now, runs up to the man to comfort him. Said man laying on the ground, letting him know, it's going to be okay, help is on the way, leg six feet away. Later on, the ambulance comes, Billy's in shock. That's a moment where you like normally, you're like, I'm not buying a moped anymore. Goes inside the dealership, talks to the dealer, and the dealer says, Hey, we're, we're, that was crazy. We'll give you your money back. And Billy's like, no, that's okay. I'll still take the moped. Yeah, I'm just going to be safe. Takes the moped, right? Um, and then later on decides, you know what I'm going to do? I, uh, I don't need a moped. I actually need the motorcycle. Goes back to the same dealership. And when he arrives at the same dealership that day, there's an ambulance there from another motorcyclist who just got hit. It's crazy. This is not like a laughing story. This is just one of those like, what? I remember Billy telling me this story. I'm like, you know, like those stories where someone's like in, you know, like the floods are coming and they're like, God, give me a sign. And God's like, I'm giving you a sign, right? And then, you know, the floods come a little bit higher and they send a boat. You're like, God, give me a sign. And someone brings a boat and, you know, the boat comes and you're like, no, 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 God's going to rescue me. This is one of those moments. You're like, God, this is the freedom that I need for life. You're like, God, give me a sign. And God is like, I gave you all of the signs possible, please do not get that motorcycle. But the real reality of that story for me is this, is that we all long for freedom. There's all something in our minds that we think that's the thing that's going to bring me freedom into my life. If I just had that thing that I want, I would have freedom. And we live in a community like New Abbey where for so many of us, we have left other systems, other things, other relationships because we have said, that thing no longer works for me. And now I'm going to go try some things out in the wild and see if this thing is going to bring me freedom because these things were oppressing me. And then you go try some of that freedom on. And you're like, man, I'm not actually sure if that is freedom. Because one of the things that we forget sometimes as human beings is that the dance partner of freedom is actually responsibility. That responsibility is what teaches us to have true freedom. Oh, does this thing actually work for me? Freedom is not jumping off of the cliff. Freedom is first learning, oh, the water's only six feet deep at the bottom of that cliff. That's good information to have before I go jump off this cliff. 
Freedom and responsibility work together just to help us ask some better questions about what we're diving into and where we're going. And what I love about the Torah, where we're at in the Bible, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, is that we're now in the book of Leviticus, and everybody went, oh, I know, you're all so excited, it's beautiful, thank you so much, on a Sunday morning. Yeah, that was one clap, that's how good Leviticus was, that was literally just one, one of those, and we're out. But in Leviticus, we see this movement going on in the Torah. What we have first is God showing up in all kinds of good God ways, right? God makes covenant with human beings. God rescues the Israelites because they're in slavery in Egypt. Now, most of us are not going to be in slavery in Egypt, so it's a metaphor for the human journey, that we all find ourselves at some place in places of bondage and oppression or a part of systems or internal things that are not serving us, and we need something beyond ourselves to free us, save us, liberate us from those realities so that we can go live as free human beings in the world. That's the story. But the story of God in this is, I am going to do my part, and then when we get to the end of Exodus, and then into Leviticus, it's a story of God saying, now I'm going to show you how to grow up. So although you're not that interested in your grain offerings or sin offerings, or which pigeon you bring on which high holy day, there is still ritual here that reminds us that when we live in freedom, there are some responsibilities that we partake in. And that when we participate in these responsibilities, then we actually live better into freedom. And those things take time to learn. And that is not a hindrance to us. Those boundaries are not bad. It's actually the best way to be free. So if we're going to talk about responsibility and freedom, we're going to talk about some things. We already talked about motorcycles, and if we can talk about motorcycles, then we're going to talk about the golden calf, everybody's favorite story in the book of Exodus. And if we can talk about the golden calf, then, you know, spring break, my friends. And if we can think about some all rights in the audience, that's nice. If we can talk about spring break, then teshuva, a good Hebrew word on a Sunday morning. And if we can talk about teshuva, then we can talk about what it means to come home. And if we can talk about what it means to come home, the goo goo dolls, my friends. That's good. I like that. And if we can talk about the Goo Goo Dolls, then, of course, prayer. And if we can understand prayer, then we've got to go from sunset to sunset. If we can go from sunset to sunset, then Sedekah, of course. And if Sedekah, then freedom. And i got to go fast, so let's rock and roll. Leviticus actually comes out of the golden calf story. That if you are tracking with what happens in the book of Exodus, is that the people of God are in slavery. God shows up in all of the big ways, frees them from Pharaoh, does all of the pyrotechnics and fireworks, takes them out of Egypt through a Red Sea that has split up to a mountain in which God proclaims not just to an individual, but to the entire nation, this revolutionary story of covenant in which they participate with God in the healing and the restoration of the world. Talk about a good time. So God does all of this, right, saves them, liberates from them from something, and then God says, now I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments, so me and Moses are going to go have a powwow up on the mountain, give us a day or two, right, this just doesn't work on Microsoft Word back in the day, we got to inscribe some things for you, and Moses will get back to you. Somewhere in that period of time, the people did what most people do, is that you're experiencing a little bit of freedom, and then you get your first taste of anxiety, fear, worry, difficulty, and you're like, I don't know how to live into this. I'm going back to my old coping skills. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm a good Israelite. We're just in Egypt. I'm going to build myself a golden calf to honor the fertility God of our old nation. Of course. And we all have a story in there somewhere. I don't know how to deal with this new freedom because no one has taught me yet and I'm new into it. 
And because I don't have enough maturity to know how to move forward, I'm going to go back to some old things that don't actually serve me that well. Moses comes down from the mountain, and he's like, WTF? (laughs) I've been in in and out lines longer than that. I just want to just, this is where we're at? Okay. Interestingly enough, in the story, though, Moses actually gets mad at God in this and says, that's it. I'm going outside of the camp. I'm going to live by myself in a little hut. And out there, I'm going to have some conversations with you, God. And he says to God, here's the reason that the people did that, God, is because they're unsure. You, they thought you maybe abandoned them again. You did all of this rescuing for them. And now me and you are up on the mountain. And the people just want to know, are you a God that's going to keep showing up? That's an interesting story in the book of Exodus. And then we get all of Leviticus and the end of Exodus that comes out of this, where God only reassures Moses and says, of course I'm going to keep my covenant here, even though the people have done these things. But God says, now let me show you a way of growing up. Let me show you how you live as a human being. This morning I got up early and I had a little extra time, and so my middle son was up. He was the only one up at that time. I said, hey, do you want to help Dad make pancakes? And so we made pancakes together, and I said, let's also make some scrambled eggs. Have you ever had a 7-year-old try to crack eggs? Those eggs were crunchy, my friends. (laughs) Because he never knew how. It's not bad on you that you don't know how. You just don't know how yet. And you need some other people with maturity to come along and say, okay, you do it this many times. If you do it a little too soft, you're not going to be able to get the egg open. If you do it a little too hard, which we had one of those egg everywhere, right? No big deal. And we made maybe about eight scrambled eggs with eight eggs, but we went through a dozen eggs. Because that's just what you do when you're teaching a seven-year-old how to make scrambled eggs. God is out here saying, I know that you were just in slavery and you have a little bit of freedom, but growing up is going to take a while. But I'm going to walk with you in the journey. And that's why we have boring books like Leviticus that teach us how to actually live as human beings. So the next time you're like, this is archaic, this doesn't work for me, what wisdom could this have? Thousands of years of wisdom that have worked for people through every generation might have something to say versus your influencer. Just saying. One of these things has lasted. The other is here today and gone tomorrow. And so with that, follow along with me in the book of Leviticus. For all you influencers, I'm with you. I hope you do well. (laughs) And just remember, New Abbey, it's one word when you text 77977. (laughs) Is that subtle? Is that subtle? That's good. Great. On the 10th day of the appointed month in early autumn, you guys are already hooked, you must deny yourselves. Talk about a good time. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. By the way, whenever you hear something like that, you got to know how revolutionary that is. Imagine in a nation what God is saying is, there is no hierarchy here. This is such a powerful day of remembrance of what God does. It's not like you get out of it because you were once freed by God, but you're going to make all these other people work away. No, no, no. Everybody here is taking off to remember. Whenever we're like, oh, the Bible's archaic, it is in some places, and then there's other places you're like, That is 3,000 years ahead of its time, where all of the workers get some time off to remember together, not just the elites. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is a permanent law for you. Permanent's a key word there. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you, and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all of your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you, and you must deny yourselves this is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in the place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen, all the shamalunga ding-dong garments. 
and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, and the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you. you, you get, it's a permanent law for you. Like, you got to do this thing. To purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year, Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. We were in Leviticus 1 for like three weeks. We're going to get back there because you may not think that grain offerings have something for your life, but they may actually have something for you in 2022. We're just jumping ahead to Leviticus 16 today because on Tuesday we celebrate Yom Kippur. Well, maybe we don't celebrate Yom Kippur, but a lot of human beings in the world will celebrate Yom Kippur. Last Sunday was Rosh Hashanah, which is the high Jewish holiday of the birth of the world. It's the idea of renewal, that Jews everywhere celebrate that day, just like we would in any new year, to say, hey, something back there is going away and a new person is stepping through, just like we make New Year's resolutions. That is this moment for the Jews. But the beauty that I think of Jewish celebration is that for the next 10 days, all these things that you think that you're stepping into for newness and new creation, now for the next 10 days you practice repentance. What it's saying is make those New Year's resolutions and then go do some difficult work so that way actually when you get into the New Year, you actually live into those resolutions. That's actually really beautiful. And I love the way of thinking there. Because what it's saying is this, what good is it for you to make new resolutions, right? And then you get to Yom Kippur, which is this Tuesday, which is the Day of Atonement, which simply means this. It's the day for the Jews that they believe that God comes and writes your name in the book of life. And that's the moment in which God forgives all of our sins, Don't get lost in the rituals of an older, uh, maybe, narrative. To hear what the story is saying is, what a beautiful ritual to know, to have structure, to feel something concrete, to say, oh, this is the day that God does these things. Not literally, but it helps you remember these things as a human being. And isn't that what we want when we step into new things? We want to say, okay, I am going to go participate in the new creation of the world, and I know that God's got my back. And then the beauty of these 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur for the Jews, which is, by the way, that's all Leviticus 16 is talking about. It's Yom Kippur, just in case I didn't clarify that. So these are the early Yom Kippur celebration details. And so for these 10 days, Jews are preparing themselves in a place of repentance because it's like, what good will it be if God forgives me and I enter into a new year if I haven't done my work? If just the old me is moving forward, that's not the thing that I want here. I want the new me to move forward into this narrative. I want to participate in some ways. Because what the book of Exodus showed us is that God has already done God's part for freedom. And Leviticus is, Leviticus, Leviticus is inviting us into our part in freedom as well. And our part in freedom is learning responsibility. And responsibility is a powerful word. And I get it. Most of us, when we think of freedom, we do not think of responsibility. When we think of freedom, we think spring break. You remember those spring break ideas in your head, right? God remembers those ideas too. We're just like, I'm going to do whatever I want as an adolescent. Nobody's here to watch me and see me. It's going to be a great time. No consequences at all for this. But I don't know if that's actually freedom. We th- I think that's the early version of freedom. What that's saying is there's, there's probably something over here that's limiting my life, and there's something that's in me that's craving something more, but I need healthier, mature adults to model something for me that says, yeah, I can get more. I don't have to be limited by these structures over here, but there's a way that I can do it that's actually going to bring life to my soul and life to the people around them. What's funny of being a pastor at New Abbey is sometimes I get a lot of people who come up to me, they want me to co-sign stuff, right? Hey, is this okay? I'm like, that is not my job to co-sign that for you. 
if you are finding freedom in that, then I want you to go walk with God in that journey. I will maybe provide some wisdom, maybe some counsel, some things, but at the end of the day, that is not my job to co-sign. It is your job to decide, is this thing actually going to bring me freedom? And real maturity will say, now if I live into this decision, will this thing actually bring the people around me freedom as well? That's a big litmus test. And that one usually slows things down just a little bit. And so freedom is this thing that we get to step into when we think about responsibility in a different way. And I want to think about responsibility in three ways. I want to think about responsibility to ourselves. I want to think about responsibility to God. I want to think about responsibility to other people. And these are three practices that actually happen during Yom Kippur for Jews. The first practice of responsibility to self is actually this word teshuva. Say teshuva with me on a Sunday morning. Teshuva. Beautiful. Perfect. Teshuva is this word for repentance. Now, many of us, if you grew up evangelical, you don't grow up evangelical like me. Repentance is like a scary word, you know. Repentance means something bad happened, fire and brimstone. I hope the rapture doesn't happen today because I did something not tea, right? Repentance in Judaism is much more beautiful. Repentance in Judaism is just saying, oh, no, I want to go make amends for something so that I don't return to something because that thing is actually not benefiting me. And so why would I want to go back to that thing again? So it's not about God being mad at us. That's never what repentance is about. It's God saying, you already know this isn't a great thing for you. I'm with you on that. Let's go do the work together so you don't have to return to this thing. That sounds like growing up and a story that I actually want to sign up for. So when Jesus sees people and heals people, right, like catching the woman in adultery, does Jesus shame her, guilt her, do any of that? No, he frees her by telling everybody else here, like, hey, if you want to cast the first stone, be my guest. If you're without sin, everyone backs away. And then he says to her, go and send no more. He invites her into repentance. He's just saying, that's okay that these things aren't working out for you. But what first Jesus always does is honors and names that were known and seen and loved and valued. And then after that, Jesus invites us into a fuller life. That's goodness. That's a good God. Not a God who shames and guilts and has just an arbitrary list just to see sadistically if we can make it or not. That's a God that many of us grew up with, and you should get rid of that version. Because it's not helpful for you. And it's not helpful for the world. And so we begin with responsibility to ourselves in teshuva. And teshuva is this idea around repentance that what I think of is, can I come home? That when we think of the word repentance, it's this idea that if I have sinned, it's that I have moved away or I have lost my way from myself. And we all want integrity with ourselves. We all want to feel whole within ourselves. When we feel whole within ourselves, that's where we thrive. When we see ourselves as loved and known and cared for, when we innately believe that about ourselves, we just live into the world in a completely different way. So the teshuva word here, this idea of relationship to yourself is, yes, you're going to go seek amends or forgiveness from other people so that you can have integrity with yourself. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what they do. That's the secret of all of this. You can't control how they treat you, what they do next, how they view you, if they agree to your apology or not, or any of these details. All you can control is your own integrity. And Teshuva invites us into this reality of how, do I, how am I responsible to myself and how do I come home? And I know in my life those seasons where I have not been home. And I know when I'm not home because I'm not clear. I don't have perspective. The world feels foggy. This is why in 12-step groups we talk about things like sobriety. That sobriety brings clarity. That sobriety is this process that we go through that allows us to make amends in this world so that I can begin to see my own life clearly again. 
Here's just three steps from 12 steps that I love because I think they're powerful. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll name the first step real quick, which is just admitting that you were powerless. What a big word, by the way, that many of us could start off with in our lives sometimes. Admitting that you were powerless over something, really, that you're just obsessing or compulsing about, and that thing that you obsess or compulsive about is generally the thing that you use to cope in the world because sometimes the thing that you're coping from, just life is too big. And you're not evil because you're coping. You're just a human being trying to care for yourself. And you just don't have enough resources yet, and that's okay. That doesn't make you bad or malicious. It just means you're on a journey. And so you begin by just saying, I'm powerless. I'm not bad. I'm not evil. I don't have to live ashamed. I just don't have it all figured out right now. And I'm admitting that there's things that I obsess and compulse over that don't work for my life. And then once I admit that, then there's a fourth step, which I love, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That is teshuva. I looked deep within myself over this last year and said, where have I wronged myself or others? Imagine if we went into our new year making this moral inventory, what the world might look like. I think about this for my children. I can't go make healing happen with my mom and dad. I can never force that to happen. The amends that I can make in this world is by creating a different narrative and reality for my children to live into. I can't fix my mom's mommy issues. I can't fix my grandma's daddy issues. I got a long way back at this, people. Good, a lot of therapy here. And it's not my job to heal that. That's not my teshuva. My teshuva is saying, those are my wounds, but I'm not going to let those wounds impact the people that are in front of me now. That's my growing up to do. And I became powerless over many things like sex addiction, and I got a whole other list. If you want a good coffee, let's go. Uh, this is how I coped with the world because of these issues over here. But eventually, I get to get to a point in my life of, I can't blame my mom anymore. I'm a grown-ass man. I have to deal with my own stuff on my own terms now. And so now i got to go make amends for the actions that I'm making. My mom didn't make those actions. I made those actions. And i got to grow up. So I'm making amends for that. Made a list of all the persons we've harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. This is just saying that part of life is being responsible for ourselves. We clean our side of the street, and when we clean our side of the street, then when we go into a new year, a new day, a new moment, we live into it in a better way. That's the invitation of what Leviticus has for us, is at first be responsible to yourself. If you can participate in teshuva and responsibility for yourself, then something you can think about is prayer. Now, I know something that's interesting in a room like this with prayer is that we're all in different places in this room. That some of you in this room, you're like, I haven't prayed in years. I actually have a ton of these conversations every week with people in New Abbey who are saying, I want to want to pray. I just don't even know where to begin anymore. And then there's other of you in this room, and you're like, I'm prophesying, speaking tongues, and exercising demons in this place, right? <laughs> it's a crazy spectrum in this room, and I freaking love it. But the point of prayer is that the thing that you actually want is that you want to encounter God. Just like in teshuva, the thing that you want out of repentance is you want to come home to yourself. And so in prayer, encounter is the thing that you're longing for. That you want to be responsible to God because you trust and know that God has already been responsible for you. And so one of the things that the Jews practice in Yom Kippur, which I think is a lesson for us, is that everybody fasts from sundown, which will be Tuesday night, to sundown on Wednesday night. And it's like a 25-hour fast in which you don't eat or drink. And every faith tradition in the world has fasting, by the way. I think there's a reason for that, because it's so practical. It's a way where you come home within yourself, and there's just going to come a point within 25 hours where you're going to be thirsty. And even when you haven't prayed in years, that's a moment when you just say, God, I'm thirsting for something else. 
God, I know that I'm in need. Maybe it's when you fast for that long, you say, oh, this is a moment of gratitude that my body got me here and that my body can sustain these next few hours. Thank you for the wonder and miracle, God, that you've made the universe in such a way. There's so many benefits from something that's so simple. I know many of us, we try to figure out different spiritual traditions or practices to be a part of. Um, and so maybe something for you to consider, not just on, on Yom Kippur, because I get you're, you're maybe not a practicing Jew. Makes a lot of sense. But maybe you find a time in your life to say, I just want to start with an hour. I just want to start with a moment that I'm setting aside and say, can this moment create a longing in me that really leads me to experience or encounter something beyond myself? Because that's the thing that I actually want. And when I'm reminded of that experience or encounter, then I can offer that goodness and that beauty and that wonder to other people in my life. So if we can be responsible to ourselves, then if we can be responsible to God, then eventually we become responsible to others as well. The Jewish phrase for being responsible to others is this word zedekah. Say zedekah with me. There's actually not an English word for zedekah. Zedekah, we often translate as charity and justice. Zedekah is something that they participate with in Yom Kippur because you give something away charitably as you've experienced the generosity of God and others around you. Which that makes sense, right? If you're on a day where you believe that God is writing your name in the book of life, talk about a lot of writing to do. Um, then, that was like such a bad joke, and that was, you know, have you laugh, which is a good reason. Yeah, it was just so fast. And sometimes you gotta take your shot, people. You know what I'm saying? And then it doesn't always work. So, God writes your name in the book of life, and there's the goodness there. And then there's a moment where you're repenting and trying to make amends with other people, and if they forgive you, how dare you not offer generosity to other people now? That makes so much sense. That's what we want to participate in, right? This is not much crazier than what Jesus already says. What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor and love yourself. That's what we're doing here. God is saying all of those things work together in this healthy ecosystem of responsibility. That when you're doing those things together, that's how you actually experience freedom. So for the Jews, how they participate in charity is they participate in zedekah. That's where you give of your energy or your time or your resources in a way to somebody else in need. Because you remember, I was once in need. I was once in Egypt. I was once had a pharaoh in my life. I once wasn't able to deal with this. And so, of course, do I really think that my healing and my freedom is all about me? If it is, what a small world. What a small narrative that it somehow ends here. No, the invitation is always, of course you do that work so that you can go pass it on to others. That freedom is when we put all of those things together. Do we take responsibility for ourselves? Do we take responsibility to our relationship with God? Do we take responsibility to others around us? And when we live in those things, then I think that we find freedom in a whole other way. I think we're going to ask very different questions on the journey. A journey, a journey where we're going to trust ourselves and have integrity with ourselves, and we're going to make the world better around us. And I end with this. That freedom that I often see is Jesus, and a phrase that I think about honestly almost every day, is when Jesus is asked this question of, really, like, why did he come? He says, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. What a mission statement for Jesus. That's the good news of why I've come, that your life may actually work for you. Mission statement was, I came that you may stop feeling bad about all the sins that you've said that you may come to heaven one day. Not what Jesus says. I'm down for all of those things. I'm down for Jesus to deal with sin in different ways. I'm down for there to be eternal life. I'm down for all that. But Jesus says, I want your life to work for you. That's freedom. I have come that you may have life, not just life, life to the fullest. This is your life. You don't get another life from this life. 
and I want it to work for you. I want you to take responsibility in it. The story of Jesus is, I don't just come on one day. Every moment is the reminder of God saying, I atone for these things. I deal with these things. I show up for your salvation and liberation. That's the story of Jesus. And then Jesus says, now come and follow me. Now that I've given you a deeper freedom, would you participate in this freedom with me? Would you take responsibility for your life? And there, when you have it to the fullest, not only you will experience something good, but those around you will experience goodness as well. That's the thing that I want to sign up for. That the way of Jesus is good news. That Jesus is good news. That there's a way of goodness in following who Jesus is that transforms and changes who I am. That heals not only me, but heals others around me. And I'll end with this one little passage that I always come back to from Matthew, where at the beginning of it says that everywhere Jesus went, he healed everybody and shared with them the good news. That the message of Jesus is simple, that he always leaves people better than he finds them. That as you participate in freedom, a great litmus test for your life will be, I know I'm participating in responsibility as well, because wherever I go, I leave people better than I find them. And that took a long time to cultivate in me. And if I can cultivate that in me, then I can cultivate that in other people. And that's the story worth living into. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.